There's no one like our God. Amen? There's no one like your God. Amen? What is his name? Jesus. What is his name? Jesus. The name above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. At the name of Jesus, the enemy has to flee. Amen. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five for Jesus this morning. You can be seated today. Thank you for worshiping with us. Let's give our worship team a big hand this morning. They're awesome, leading us into God's presence today. Uh, my name is Matt Bell. I just want to welcome you to Destiny Church. I'm the pastor here, and on behalf of the elders and the leaders, we just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us today. At Destiny Church, we believe that God has a plan, a purpose, a divine destiny for your life. The Bible says that the enemy, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that Jesus came to give us life and life eternal. Amen. And so we're all about living for Jesus and proclaiming Jesus and preaching Jesus and the eternal life that is only found through him. Amen. I want to invite you to open with me in your Bibles today to Matthew chapter 25. We're continuing a series of, of sermons on the parables of Jesus. And we've learned that a parable is a simple story with a very deep, profound, powerful, spiritual, impactful truth. So it is a, it's a simple story that on the surface, it, it doesn't look very complex, but as you begin to look beneath the surface of the story that Jesus says, you, you find that there's lots of depth and lots of truth and lots of meaning there. And so our parable today is found in Matthew chapter 25. Now, some of you know me very well. Uh, some of you might be new today. And so I, I just want to let you know that I grew up in church. I've spent my whole life in church. I've served the Lord since before I could even walk. I was serving the Lord. You know, I've, I've been a part of God's family and, and, and a part of this church family my whole life. Um, but when I was a, a, a little kid growing up in this church, there was one subject that just scared the daylights out of me. I mean, just, I was terrified of this subject, and it's actually the subject of our parable today, and it, it was a topic that, that just really terrified me, and I remember as a, as a child just laying in bed at night, not able to sleep, because I had just heard a sermon on this topic, and I was so afraid. And of course, I'm talking about the return of Christ, the second coming of Jesus. When I was growing up in this church, it seemed like that was talked about a whole lot. I don't know if that was just my guilty conscience as an eight-year-old, you know, whatever had I done but hit my brothers, I don't know. But anyway, I just was so afraid that if Jesus came back, he wasn't going to take me with him. I remember that we, we used to, on Sunday nights, sometimes show these movies about the rapture up in the chapel building. And man, let me tell you what, 
those were some scary movies. I mean, especially for like a seven and an eight-year-old. You know, it's the stories of the mark of the beast and Jesus coming and taking all the good people and leaving all the bad people and what would happen during the tribulation and these people, I mean, it even showed people getting their heads cut off with a guillotine. I'm seven years old, you know, I'm like, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to be left behind, you know, traumatized. Uh, recently, I was on YouTube, and I, I came across one of these movies that we used to watch as a kid, and that we used to show in church, and it was called The Thief in the Night. How many of you ever saw that movie, The Thief in the Night? That movie is freaky. That movie is scary, just because it's like made in the 70s, and everyone's got these crazy facial hair and bell bottoms, and it's really wacky, and it's just spooky, spooky music. Well, I found this video on YouTube, and I said, wow, we used to watch this. I started playing it. Man, I started getting goosebumps. I, my heart started beating fast. I was having PTSD from the trauma that I suffered as a child watching these movies. But I want you to know at Destiny Church, we believe wholeheartedly that Jesus is returning, that Jesus Christ is returning to this earth to judge the world of sin to set things right, to put things in order, to establish a kingdom without end, his kingdom, where he will rule and reign as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We believe in that at Destiny Church, 100%. And if, if, if you're like me today and you're afraid of Christ's return or you're, you're like I was when I was a kid, I mean, I'm not kidding. Those videos, they scared the... They scared the devil out of me. I mean, they, they really tortured me. But, but what I've come to learn as I've grown and, and hopefully matured a little bit is that I'm not afraid of the return of Christ anymore. In fact, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day with great hope, with great anticipation, and I pray you are too. Amen waiting for that day, looking forward to that day, putting our hope in that day when Jesus Christ will return. And so in, in, in Matthew chapter 25, we have a parable that Jesus tells about what will happen when he returns. What will happen when Jesus returns? Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts today. Let us hear from you Clearly, Lord, we believe that, that this book is, is from you, that, that these are not man's words, but these are your words. So, Lord, as we come to the, the Holy Scriptures, as we come to the Word, we, we ask that you would teach us, that you would instruct us, that you would lead us. Lord, as the psalmist writes, that your Word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It, it shows us the way that we should go. It illuminates Lord, the events of our lives, the events of our world, it, it brings light and it helps us to see things clearly. More than anything, Lord, we ask that we would see you clearly, who you are, your plan, your purpose, what you have accomplished, what you require from us. Lord, help us to understand all of these things more fully today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, what you need to know about Matthew chapter 25 
is, is that this parable takes place in a context. Starting in chapter 22, Jesus is talking about his return. So 22, 23, 24, 25, Jesus tells uh, many different stories, many different parables. He gives many different teachings about his return. And so this parable is right smack in the middle of that. And that is what it is about. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. It says, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. But at midnight, there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But, the, but he answered, truly, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So let me give you just a brief cultural explanation about the way Jewish people used to do a wedding. This is the setting. It's talking about a bridegroom and a, a wedding party. Uh, these ten virgins, it's not that this bridegroom is about to marry ten uh, girls. That's not what's happening here. Um, it's not ten brides. It is, they are part of the wedding party. They, they are the, um, what do you call the the Bridesmaids, thank you, thank you. They are the bridesmaids. And so what would happen in, in a Jewish custom would be that the, the groom and his friends would leave their home, they would travel from the father's house, the father of the groom, and they would proceed to the home of the bride. There at the home of the bride in the father's house, the father of the bride, that's where the marriage ceremony would be conducted and oftentimes at night. And after the ceremony, the entire wedding party would travel back to the groom's house, the father's house, the father of the groom, for a celebratory banquet, a wedding feast. Now, for some reason in this story, we do not know, but it says that the groom was delayed. So as the young women waited and waited with the rest of the wedding party for this procession, they got tired, they fell asleep. Those, the Bible says, there was five that were prepared for a delay. Maybe he got cold feet. Uh, maybe, you know, his mule broke down on the way to the venue. I don't know. But anyway, for whatever reason, he was delayed. But there was five, five wise virgins who had prepared and brought extra oil. So in case he was delayed, they could still partake in the procession. There were five foolish who were not ready 
when the groom arrived and they were denied entry into the marriage feast. Now, the marriage feast, we know, as we've studied some of the other parables, is talking about heaven. It's talking about being granted an entrance into the kingdom of God. And so what this is talking about is those who will be accepted into heaven, who will be accepted into God's kingdom when Jesus returns, and those who will not be accepted and who will face eternal judgment, which the Bible tells us is hell. This is what this story is about, and this is what it will be like when Jesus returns. When Jesus returns, there will be those who are ready to meet him, and there will be those who are not ready to meet him. There will be those that you really can't tell any difference between the two groups until Jesus shows up, until the bridegroom returns. When Jesus returns, we will see who is ready and who is not. And so there is one big point in this parable, and there's a few smaller points that I'm going to pull out as well. And for those of you who take notes today, you're going to love me because I'm putting all the points on the screen for you today. But point number one is this, are you ready? This is the point of this parable. Are you ready? Jesus is returning. Are you ready? There were five wise and there was five foolish. Are you among the wise? Have you trusted in Christ? Have you put your faith in Jesus? You know, the Bible tells us there's only one way to be ready. Amen? There's only one way. Jesus says, I am the door. No one comes but by me. Jesus says the, the pathway to salvation is, is very narrow. There's, there's one pathway to the Father. It is through Jesus Christ. Amen. There's only one way. There's not many different paths, many different ways. Jesus said broad is the way to destruction, and many find that way. There's not many different ways. There is one way, and the door is open to all. The door is open to all. All who would, as Jesus said, repent of sin and turn from sin and trust in him Salvation is yours. Eternal life is yours. Justification, regeneration, forgiveness of sins, new life, eternal life is yours in Christ Jesus because he has paid the price for sin, died on the cross, rose again to new life, giving it to all who would trust in him are you among the wise today have you trusted in Christ are you ready or are you among the foolish those who received the invitation those who spent time among the wise but deep down inside they were not 
ready to meet the groom. They were not inwardly prepared. They did not have salvation. Listen, the Bible says that this life is short. This life is short. The Bible says this life is like a vapor. It's like a mist. It's like when, when someone walks by and they have a, a, a really nice perfume on and, and you get a, a whiff of it and you think, oh, wow, isn't that wonderful? And then it's gone. Or when someone walks by and they have really bad body odor and they walk by and you get a whiff and you think, thank God it's going to be gone in just a second, right? I mean, it's like a mist. It's like a vapor. That, that's how short life is. Sometimes we get lulled into the monotony of life, the monotony of day in, day out, work, eat, sleep, repeat, that we, we begin to think that we've got lots of time on our hands. The Bible says that the wise man numbers his days, that the wise man realizes that his time is short. Listen, eternity, however, is very long. Eternity is very long, without end. This life is short, but eternity is long. Are you ready for eternity? Are you saved? Are you converted? Are you born again? Amen? The, Paul says, to, as he writes his letters, he says, check yourself to see if you are in the faith. Do you have that fire burning? Is it burning? That's what that fire represents, the life of God, the eternal life of God in you. Do you know God? Do you know God? Not just about God. Not, I'm, not, I'm not asking if you can recite to me the Christian creeds. I'm not asking you if you, if you know all the correct doctrine. I'm not asking you if you can, can give a credible profession of faith. I'm asking you, do you know God? Do you know him? Not do you know a few facts about him. You see, you can know a lot about someone and not know them at all. If Jesus was telling this story today, I think he would have told it about a big celebrity wedding. You know, like... Um, I don't know, who are too pop, I don't follow pop culture, but I think he would have used pop culture. Who's some big celebrity that got married? I don't know, somebody tell me. Tom Cruise, okay, who did he marry? I don't know, anyway, so Tom Cruise gets, I know who Tom Cruise is anyway. So Tom Cruise gets married, right? And you, sh you show up at his wedding. And you knock on the door, hey, I wanna come in. And Tom's gonna look at you and say, who are you? I don't know you. And you say, but I follow you on Twitter. I follow you on Instagram. I, I know all about you. I've seen all of your movies. I've watched all the behind the scenes. I celebrate your birthday every day. I show up and I have this little ceremony. I celebrate your birthday. I celebrate the, 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 your, your number one box office hit. I celebrate it on release day every single day. You know, there are many people who, who they show up to celebrate Jesus' birthday. They know a few facts and figures about him, but they don't know him. The scariest verse in the whole Bible is Matthew chapter 7. 
It's absolutely terrifying. If, if this isn't scary enough for you, I'm really, gonna, I'm really going after you today. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In, in John, Jesus says... What is the will of my Father but to believe in the Son of God? This is what it's all about. He says, not everyone who will come in who says to me, Lord, Lord, but those who have truly believed in the Son of God. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? He says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Listen, friends, it's not about what you do. It's about who has done the work for you. It's not about how much you attend. It's not about how much you give. You cannot earn your salvation but salvation has been earned, purchased, paid in full for everyone who will believe in the Son of God. Do you know God? Jesus said this is eternal life, that they know God. Not just facts and figures, personally, intimately. Do you have a relationship with God. The second point I want to show you is that the truth is revealed in a time of crisis. The truth of, of who is uh, genuine and who is a believer and who is not is revealed in a time of crisis. When the announcement was, was made, here comes the bridegroom. It was, a, it was a time of crisis. Everyone had fallen asleep. They weren't ready. They woke up. They started getting their lamps prepared. And some of them looked on with horror and shock as their lamps were empty. It was a time of crisis. And when Christ returns at the end of the age, for those who do not know him, it will be a time of crisis. In Revelation, it says that, that they, the, the people who, who do not know Christ, who have been enemies of Christ in this life, that they will hide from him. They will hide their faces from him who is seated on a throne. And that they will go into the mountains, into, into caves, trying to get away from Jesus when he returns. And they will cry out to the rocks and say, fall on us and take our lives because we're so terrified of standing in front of Jesus, a time of crisis. But many times in our lives, we too often experience crisis, and it shows us where we are. When we experience crisis in our lives, it shows us, do we have a heart towards God? Are we truly putting our faith, our trust, our hope in the Lord? It reveals to us what is inside. How many of you have known people who, who it seemed like, it looked like they they loved the Lord. They served the Lord. They, they were very faithful in church attendance and even served in the ministry. But when crisis came to their lives, it was revealed and shown that they did not know God. 
When crisis came, they did not run to God, but they ran away from God. The truth is revealed in a time, in a, in a time of crisis. And maybe you're in a, in a crisis moment in your life today. My word to you is to trust in Jesus in the midst of the crisis. To, to turn towards him. He is always good. He is always faithful. He will always see you through to the other side. The third thing I want to show you today is that lost opportunities cannot be regained. Lost opportunities cannot be regained. This parable teaches us that you cannot wait until Christ returns to get ready. You cannot delay and say, I will, I will get ready when I see that Jesus is returning. Listen, once Jesus returns, it will be too late. That's what this parable is teaching, that there is a point, there is a cutoff time, there is a finish line, and you must get ready now. By the time the foolish set out to get their oil, the bridegroom was already coming. They were already too late. The time to buy oil was past. So will it be when Christ returns to judge the world. Are you unsaved? Today is your moment. This is your opportunity. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't let this moment, this opportunity pass you by. Don't say later I will give my life to Christ. Later I will serve him. Later I will follow him. Later I will trust in him. I don't want to live for him just yet. I, I want to live for myself just a while longer. Maybe after I've lived my life for myself, it will be easier then to live for Jesus. Let me tell you, it will not be easier. It will be harder. It will be more difficult. Because every time you reject the gospel, every time you reject the message of Christ, your heart grows a little bit harder. It will not be easier tomorrow. It will be harder than it is today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to trust in Christ. Today is the day to repent of sins. Today is the day to put your faith in God. Do not miss this opportunity to get right with God. The Bible says no one is promised tomorrow. No one is promised tomorrow. Lost opportunities cannot be regained. Number four, eternal life is not transferable. That's kind of a mouthful. Eternal life is not transferable. You cannot give your eternal life to someone else. You cannot get into heaven based on someone else's eternal life. Some have looked at this parable and said, man, those wise ladies that had the oil, they were somewhat uncharitable. They, they should have shared their oil. Listen, it's not that they, they wouldn't do it. It's that they could not do it. You cannot share your eternal life with someone else. On the day Jesus returns, 
You must stand on your own. You will not be saved by your father's faith or your mother's faith. You cannot stand before Jesus and say, but wait a second. My grandfather was a missionary. Doesn't some of his work count for me? No, it does not. There's only one person's work who will count for you, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not put your faith in other people thinking you can ride their coattails into heaven. You cannot. You must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Where do you stand today? Are you alive in Christ? Are you ready to meet him and stand before him? Number five, the Lord will return without warning. Jesus is returning at a time no one expects him to return. Without warning. Here we see it in the parable that at midnight there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Paul talks about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with him. Listen, when the, when the voice of the archangel cries out, when the shout goes forth, when the trumpet begins to play, it's not time to get on your knees. That time has passed. In the book of Revelation chapter 6, it says that, that Jesus will roll up the heavens like a scroll that the heavens will be rolled up, that, that human history will be concluded, that this age, these last days, they are coming to an end, and it will happen without warning. We will not know when he is coming back. Listen, no one knows when Jesus is coming back. Nobody knows. Only the Father who is in heaven knows. If anybody ever tells you that they know when Jesus is coming back, you can thank them because they've just shown you that you never have to listen to anything else they tell you because they're crazy, all right? If anyone tells you they know when Jesus is coming back, they are crazy. They are self-deceived or demonically influenced, but you don't have to listen to them. No one knows the day or the hour except the Father who is in heaven, who has fixed that day by his own authority. Thousands have predicted the return of Christ to the day. Every single one has been wrong. Jesus will return without warning. No one knows the day. No one knows the hour. Back in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus tells about what it will be like. When he comes, Matthew chapter 24, if you want to flip back there quickly, Matthew 24, 36, 
Jesus says, concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. He says, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. 42, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Jesus stay, it says, stay awake. The end of this parable, he says, watch therefore, for you neither know the day or the hour. No one knows when Jesus is coming back. You, you can't say, well, I'm just going to live this way for a season and I'll be able to tell when Jesus is going to come back. I, I'll know. I'll see the signs. I'll figure it out. You do not know. And listen, the other thing you do not know that the Bible tells us that you do not know is the day of your death. You don't know. You don't know when Jesus is returning for his second coming. You also don't know when he is returning for you. You don't know. You might have another 50 years. You might have another five minutes. I don't know. I buried both of my parents who did not know that the day that they were going home. They both died in their 50s. They did not know. We, we saw them the day before, healthy as can be, vibrant as can be. The next day, the Lord took them home. You do not know when he is returning for you. So are you ready to meet him? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you confident in your faith? If he returned today in this moment, right here, would you be ready? I pray that you would. And if you're not confident, you can leave here today with full assurance of faith. You can leave here today confident in your standing before God, confident that your sins are forgiven confident that you know him, that he knows you, and that when you stand before him on that day, you will not hear the words of, I never knew you. You will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Those are the words we're all wanting to hear. The challenge of this parable is that we should live our lives in light of eternity. That, that we should not, as, as Christians now here today, Christians, hear me. Those of you who do have assurance and confidence of faith, listen to me. We are to live our lives with eternity in mind. Live our lives with the return of Christ in mind and to plan accordingly. The great tragedy of this parable is that it could have gone another way. If the wise virgins would have stayed awake, 
They would have noticed the foolish lamps going out. They could have said, hey, your lamps are running out. You need to get ready. The bridegroom is going to come. You need to get ready. This is a picture of the church asleep. The church that knows that Jesus is returning, yet is not warning those who are not ready. Who, who is content to just see people living out their lives on, on a pathway to destruction, waiting for judgment, not giving them hope, not giving them the answer, not telling them it's time to get ready Church, this is a wake-up call. This parable is a wake-up call to the church. It's saying, wake up. There's a world dying without Christ. A world dying without hope. We cannot be lulled into sleep by the ins and the outs, the monotony of the day today. Wake up. There are people that you know and love who if Christ returned today, they would spend eternity separated from him. And God has sovereignly placed you in their lives to share the light with them. What are we doing? Are we awake? Or have we become complacent waiting for the return of Christ? Has our hearts, have our hearts grown tired and weary? Or have they actually grown cold? Church, we got to wake up. We gotta have eyes to see that Jesus said the, the, the fields are white unto harvest. We must look and go out and share and love and give and serve and proclaim and preach and speak the truth in love, calling on people to trust in Christ. Amen. I believe that there are some of you that are in here today and, and you're hearing this and and the Lord has been dealing with you about specific people in your life, specific people, friends, family, coworkers, that the Lord is he's just impressing on your heart. Share the gospel. Share the gospel. Share the gospel. And we're delaying, we're, we're, we're debating and waiting. <laughs> and we're saying, I'll do it later. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for the right time, the perfect time. Listen, now is the time. Today is the day. Don't, don't, don't pray and say, well, you know, maybe when the time is right, say, God, make this the right time. God, ordain things. Line it up. Give me opportunities today. Give me opportunities today. I, I, I'm going to share one story, and then I'm going to conclude today. Um, th there was th this one time in my life where... Um, I was visiting a friend's house, and um, this was back before the days of the internet. I, I was quite young, and it was another pastor friend. None of you know any of these people. And we were staying at this pastor's house with my dad, and um, my brothers, who were like, you know, five and six and 11 at the time, they started snooping through uh, some stuff in somebody's room in this house that they should not have been snooping through. And um, this pastor friend had a young man, a son, who was in his mid-20s, and they found a drawer full of pornography in this young man's bedroom. 
And so I saw it, and they, they said, look at this, look at what we found here, and then they shut it, and they went back to just playing around or doing whatever, and I just felt like I, I, have, I, have, to, I have to tell this man's dad. I, I have to tell him what I've found. And so I, I just was so burdened that I, I, I'm responsible now for what I've seen, seen. None of my other brothers felt responsible because they're like, Matt's the oldest. He has to figure this out. And so they, all the responsibility is on me. So, okay, I'm feeling this burden, this responsibility to, to bring to light this sin that I've found. And I'm, I'm looking for opportunities to do it while we're staying at his house. I could find no opportunities because I didn't want to expose him or embarrass him or shame him. That was not my heart. My heart was to share this with his dad so that he could get help and deliverance because it's not God's plan that you would be addicted or even self-deceived into that you're not addicted to pornography. It's, it's a destructive force in your life, and you, you got to, with the power of God's Spirit, get rid of that. And so I, I wanted to share that with the father so that he could help his son. No opportunity. He was always around people, and it, it just was awkward. I was like 15 at the time. And so we're loading up the car. We're about to leave, and I just said, God, if, if you want me to do this, you're going to have to make a way because I, I've tried. There's been no opportunity. And I said, God, give me an opportunity. If you want me to do this, you're going to have to give me the opportunity. And so I forgot something in the house. I went back into the house, and while I was in the house, went back into that young man's room, the phone in that room rang. And the dad, the pastor dad, came in to that room and answered the phone while I was getting the thing that I forgot. Hello, hello. There was nobody on the phone. He hung up the phone, and it was me and the dad alone in the room. And I said, Lord, is this you? Uh, Lord, uh, I... Lord, if this is you, give me a sign. You know, I don't know. No, no, it's not what I did. I, I knew that that was, okay, I, I have to be obedient now. I said, look, my idiot brothers were messing around and stuff they weren't supposed to be messing around in, and they found your son's porn stash. It's over here, just FYI. You know, you might want to talk to your son about it. Okay, great, thank you. I'm so sorry, you know, my knucklehead son, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, and then we left. So the, the point of that story is that if you will pray and believe God for opportunities, I believe he will make them for you in your life. Call out people by name. Say, God, give me an opportunity to share the gospel with so-and-so. And Lord, give me the boldness and the strength to step forward into it when you give me the opportunity. Why would he not do that? Does God not want to save these people that he's put on your heart? Yes, of course he does. Of course he does. Now, I don't know how they'll respond. You know, sometimes you share the gospel, people receive it, and they love it. Sometimes they reject it. Look, that's not the issue. It's not about you. It's about God. But you've got to give people the opportunity. And so let, let me just encourage you today as, as we wrap up, don't be asleep. Don't, don't be like these, these wise ones that they were ready to meet, but they fell asleep and they weren't warning those who, who were not ready. Listen, our job is to warn those, to caution those, to, to, to let people know that Christ is returning and the time of salvation is now and it is drawing to a close. Today is the day of salvation. If you will pray and ask God to give you opportunities, I know that he will. 
I know that he will. 